Hey y'all, and welcome to The Hill Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. We pray that this podcast will encourage you, will deepen your faith, and will inspire you to make Jesus famous. Let's dive into the message. Amen, amen. High five someone, tell them it's good to be at The Hill. <laughs> High five another person, tell them I'm happy you're here. Come on, somebody. I'm excited today. We got to celebrate my wife's 34th birthday this week. Can y'all wish her a happy birthday with me? She's so much younger than me, um, about eight months or something like that. So uh, I'm thankful for you, baby. Amen. If you've got your Bible, 2 Corinthians 6 is where we're going to be today. I'm going to apologize ahead of time for my coughing. It's... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm being healed. Come on, somebody. And so um, we're going to continue our series, Dauntless God. Y'all, dauntless, again, means fearless and determined. That's who God is. Amen? Come on, somebody. That's who he is. Um, today, we're specifically talking on the title, Wasted Grace. Look at your neighbor say, Wasted Grace. Wasted means used or expended carelessly extravagantly or to no purpose. Now, when I say wasted, some of y'all, it took you back to a few, maybe some, a few years ago. Come on, somebody. It, it to you means something different. Am I right? Anybody in the house? No. Remember those days. Amen. And so for us today, it's used expended or carelessly, extravagantly or to no purpose. Second Corinthians 6, let's look at what it says. In our work together with God, then we, then we beg you who have received God's grace not to let it be wasted. Amen, somebody. I got to tell you, 2 Corinthians 5, I love it because it talks about, talks about who God is. And it talks about, uh, um, verse 17, talks about when we're in Christ, we're a brand new creation. That we're made completely brand new. That we've been restored and redeemed. Come on, somebody. That we've been transformed into something that holds incredible value. Uh, Vaughn has got a, a cool old Corvette that he's restoring. Now, the reality is that cool old Corvette that he's restoring is worth a whole lot more money now than it was in 1974. Stingray. That his 1970 Corvette now is worth probably five times what it was worth in 1974. Because, see, when you, rest, when you restore something, or when you redeem something, value is added to that thing. Come on, somebody. See, that's what God did with us with grace. And that essentially is what Paul's writing to this Corinthian church about. He's saying, look, <clears throat> the way you were had little to no value. But when Jesus showed up in your life, come on, somebody. When he showed up, when his nature was lavished on you when his nature inf was infused into you. All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, incredible value got added to you. Amen. Am I right? Paul's writing and he says, guys, listen, this value that he put on you, this grace that, this, that he gifted you, he said, don't let it go wasted. Don't waste this grace, but use it. Put it to work. I was thinking about some of the stuff that we just waste in our life. Is anybody a couponer? I think it's cool if you are. I'm not going to make fun of you. That's awesome. You're a couponer. I, you know, you may be a good one. I had a friend that was a couponer and went to their house and, and she showed me her stack of, of tissue boxes. 
and she had bought like 7,000 tissue boxes for like 30 cents a piece. And I was like, that's awesome. She was like, look, I, I only paid 30 cents a piece for them. I don't know, well, how much did you pay for all of them? She was like, $416. And I'm like, that's, I don't know the amount, but I'm like, I mean, like, who did you buy? Why do you have 700, 7,000 boxes of tissues? Am I right, somebody? Like, like it's more than you'll all ever use in my life. Matter of fact, uh, a guy in our Bolivar church brought me some macaroni and cheese. I love mac and cheese. Anybody? Anybody feel me today? Like, I believe that mac and cheese is going to be on the buffet and the marriage supper of the lamb. Come on, somebody. Like, like I'm going eat, to eat it on there, all right? And this guy brought us macaroni and cheese. Well, our family, only he brought us like a pallet full or something like that. Like, we had mac and cheese until it really went bad. Like, we put it in my mom's freezer. We put it in our freezer. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> now, he brought us enough mac and cheese to fill the buffet at the marriage supper of the land. That's how much was there, right? The reality is it was kind of wasteful. Like, like we kind of wasted a bunch of it. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, the grace that God has for you is more than you could ever use. But don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't allow it. Don't allow it to just sit there being unutilized. Use it. Allow that. See, we think that grace, we, we reduce grace to something that if we stub our toe and something we say that we wish we hadn't said slips out, we feel like, well, grace covers me. And that's true. But my problem is that we reduce grace to that. And that's never the intention of grace. Grace wasn't to empower you to live the most incredible life that you could ever live. Grace was to empower you to be like Jesus, to empower you to be the best husband or wife or father or mother or friend or boss or employee. That's what grace did. Grace was there to empower you to live like Jesus. It's almost as if you have a car in your garage, but you're still bumming rides off people. And your friends are like, what's wrong with your car? And you're like, nothing. And they're like, you out of fuel? And you're like, no, nah, I'm full of gas. That didn't come out right. I got, I got a tank full of fuel. That's what I'm trying to say. I got a tank full of fuel. I'm good. Right? <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. And, and your friend's like, then why do you need a ride? And you're like, well, I just don't really want to use my car. It's like, that's what we're doing with grace. We're saying grace is the vehicle that takes us into the best parts of our eternity. The best parts of our day and our life. It makes us the best that we could ever be. And we let it stay in the garage and we hoping other people can get us there. See, I love my wife celebrated 34th birthday. I love her, Right. But the problem is, uh, for a lot of us, we feel like our spouse should make us happy. Marriage was never meant to make you happy. It's to make you holy. It's to remind you of the, 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 the unconditional love of God. That's what marriage is for. I didn't marry Megan, so she'd make me happy. She does. But my happiness, I'm not looking for her to make me happy, right? She's not my vehicle. God is. Am I right, somebody? Y'all know what I'm saying? Problem is, we're looking in the wrong places to get us where we want to go. We're looking at jobs to try to make us happy. And they can't, like, you know what happiness is? Happiness is if you get a new truck. Come on, somebody. Who knows what I'm saying? New Jeep. Come on, somebody. Come on. That's right. You know what joy is? If your truck gets stolen, you can have joy. See, happiness is because of your situation, and joy is regardless of it. 
That's what grace does, y'all. Grace brings us into this, this place with Jesus. Man, grace, it changed the game, guys. Grace brought in a new mindset. Grace isn't weakness, y'all. Grace is powerful. Grace is strength. Grace is our hope. Grace ushers in the peace of God. Grace is a strong tower. Come on, son. I feel like I sound like Kermit the Frog. Come on, somebody. I've got some. I got some. I got. I'm right here, man. Anybody, I feel like Doc Rivers, the old basketball coach. You know, it's. Excuse me, but that's what grace did, guys. Grace has a name, and that name is above every other name. And that name is Jesus. That's what grace did. Right? That's, that's what grace is. So my question is this. If grace is about helping us to live the most incredible life that we could ever live here and in heaven, because it's both, what happens when we don't choose that grace? Um, you guys have all chose it, apparently. Well, there's times that I don't. Come on, somebody. Well, what happens when you choose another way? There's a story in the Bible of the prodigal son, man. And, and this prodigal son walked up to his dad. And him and his dad had this conversation. And, and we don't know what happened, but obviously more happened. There, there was, it was a, a several probably month process. But he walks up to his dad. And he says, Dad, I want what's mine. I want my half the inheritance now. And I want you to be essentially what he was saying is I wish you were dead. And I wish we had no relationship whatsoever at all. That's what he was saying. <clears throat> that's what he was saying to the father. That, that's essentially, that's what he was telling this father. He was saying, man, I don't want anything to do with you ever again. And you know what's crazy? That father gave it to him. Like if I said that to my dad, I'd still be picking up teeth. Y'all know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm saying in the house? Like, like one time, Jace, we had a situation, and it wasn't that, and it wasn't that boisterous, but he said something similar. And I'm just going to use that verbiage, but he was like, Dad, I want it now. And, I, and I, I have, most dads do what I call the father of death look, where you grit your teeth together, and you curl your nose, and you squint your eyes, and I said, what did you say to me? And he went, Nothing. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was kind of the look that he gave me. But this father didn't. The son's like, dad, I'm tired of you trying to control my life. I'm tired of you telling me what to do all the time. And the dad goes, son, I love you. Dad, I'm tired of you. Tired of you telling me how to, how to be the, the farmer or the shepherd or how to run the business. And the father was like, son, I love you. I love you. Dad, I want you to just give me what's mine. Okay, son, here you go. Threw him to the keys to the camel. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Threw him to the keys to the camel and rolled out. Right? Wrote him the check, tore it off, said, here you go, it's all yours. And the son rolled out. I was thinking about this father in a new light. I've preached this story several times, but I was thinking of this father in a new light this week. I was thinking of what it had to be like for that father the next several months. I was picturing that father going to the market to buy some mac and cheese. Come on, somebody. He didn't have the same friends I have. I pictured him going to buy supplies for his business. I pictured him going to get milk or, or whatever it was, going to get his oil changed or, or whatever it was. I pictured him just living life. 
And the entire community looking at him going, there's the dad that his son went crazy. There's the dad that can't control his family. There's the dad that, man, he gave half of his estate away to a son that doesn't even love him. Like I was picturing this dad. And as he walked around, everybody would snicker and talk about the foolish decision this dad made. They would talk about how he wasted energy on a son that didn't try. He wasted time on a son that didn't care. And he wasted his inheritance on a son that didn't want relationship. I was thinking about this and thinking, man, it'd be really hard to be that kind of a a dad. Really, with this story, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son, but it could almost equally be called the story of the wasteful father. Because in any area of life, if we did this, you would, you would instruct otherwise. You would say, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. No, 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 no. Like, let him go, but don't, don't, no, you're enabling. No, no, no. But this father, I don't know why. I don't, know, I don't know how he did it. I don't, I don't know what caused him. Like, I think about this conversation <clears throat> that he had with his son as they were talking about this control and as they were talking about all, and it's almost like, I can almost picture in my brain like a preteen daughter talking to her mom about what she should or shouldn't wear to school that week. Mom, you just don't understand. You just don't get me. Dad, you just don't understand why I'm thinking, why I like this or why I like that. And I got to thinking, this this son, he kind of gets a bad rap. Does anybody else feel like the prodigal son gets a bad rap? Because really, he doesn't say anything to his dad that you haven't done to God in heaven, your father. The difference is he, he said it, and I'll admit it, but we hide it. We say, God, I love you and you're my father, but I want to compartmentalize my faith and I want you to be God. I want you to be my my redeemer on Sunday. But Monday, when that guy ticks me off, I want to kick him right in the face. (laughs) On Tuesday, I want to go where I want, eat what I want, drink what I want, smoke what I want, sleep with who I want, live how I want. On Wednesday and Thursday, that person that hurt me, I want to live in bitterness toward them. Friday and Saturday, I want to just forget it all. And then Sunday, I want you to make me feel better about everything I've done all week. There's no difference. There's no difference between the prodigal son and us. He just verbalized what we do. He just verbalized how we live. I I read this story. And I feel like, I do, I feel like, I feel like Will Smith in, in like 1992 when he sang the song, Parents Just Don't Understand. Come on, somebody. Like, God, just don't get what I'm going through. Like, God, if you cared, you'd help me get this job. Because this job is what's going to fulfill me. God, if you really cared about me, you'd make sure this worked out between me and this person. And God, God's like, man, I've got a vehicle that will take you there but you leaving it parked in the garage called Grace. And you're wanting everyone else to, you're trying to bum rides off everyone else's relationship with me when you don't want to start your own. Like, I read this story, and I think, 
I think how crazy it was, how, how he and the father, how we compartmentalize our faith just like this prodigal son did. And, and we say, he said it like this. Uh, basically, the conversation, I'm sure, went something, I'm tired of you controlling my life. And if we were to get down to the, to the, the, the bare root of everything, that's what we want is control. We want to control our future. We want to control our today. We want to control our temper. We want to control our urges and our anxiety and our depression. And we want to control our jobs and our, and our families. And we want to control our husbands and our wives. And we want to control. So he looked at the father saying, you're trying to control me. You're trying to control me today. And the father goes, no, I'm trying to set you up for a future. See, I'm the father saying, I'm trying to teach you to work like this today because I found success doing this. And if you'll learn to do this today, you may not have to work in 10 years or 20 years. See, we have this conversation with God. I have this conversation with God where I'm like, God, don't you care? God, that person. Matter of fact, the other day I was talking to my wife and I don't remember this, what we were talking about, but something was said, and, and I think, I don't remember what it was, but let's just say it was like this. She was like, hey, honey, do you want spaghetti? She calls me honey because she thinks I'm sweet. Come on, somebody. She said, hey, honey, you want some spaghetti for dinner? I went, no. And as soon as I heard it, I went, I went, hold on. That didn't come out right. I didn't mean no. I meant, no thanks, babe. I'd rather have something different, right? Because sometimes what you say, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. See, sometimes it's not what you do, but it's the attitude you send out while you do it. See, God is trying to redeem your personality through grace so that proverbially, when Megan says, hey, you want some spaghetti? Versus going, no. I go, no, thanks. Can we get something different tonight? Right? Because that's what grace does. Grace empowers us to do things right. So Holy Spirit deals with me about stuff, man. The Holy Ghost will be talking to me and he'll be like, he'll be like, Bo, let's not, let's not, don't, no, don't respond to that person because you're angry and, and you're going to say what you feel. And often what you feel is not what you mean. Who am I talking to? So versus saying what you feel is right in the moment. Just shut your mouth. Wait till the feeling has passed. And say what you mean. Come on, somebody. Yeah. You feel me? See, the son misunderstood the control the father had over him. The father, guys, the father was working behind the scenes to set the son's future up. That's what God's doing. Often we can't see him working. But it's not because he's not working. It's because he's working behind the scenes. Like like when, when you were little... You probably didn't go to bed at night, and maybe you did, but, but hopefully you didn't go to bed at night and go, oh, man, sure hope the heat stays on tonight. You know, I'm being very real. My kids don't go to bed and go, oh, hope there's oatmeal in the morning. My gosh, we're afraid to not have chocolate milk for Benny when he wakes up. <laughs> that's, that's the end of the world if that happens. I'll be going to Walmart at 2 a.m. for Megan if he wakes up. Right? Because they know something's happening when they can't see dad. It's not because he's not there. It's because he's working on their behalf. 
That's how God is. That's what grace does. See, often when you can't see grace at work, it's because it's working behind the scenes on your behalf. That's what the Father, that's what the Son couldn't understand. He couldn't understand. See, the Father, when, when, when God is trying to instruct us on what to do and how to talk and how to live, guys, it, yes, it's about our today, but it's more about our tomorrow. And it's all about our eternity. He's writing to the Corinthian believers, pausing in the middle of the prodigal son and wasteful father. He's writing to the Corinthian believers and he says, God has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. He's, he's uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Behold, you're in, when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You've transformed into something with immense value. He's called you and he's anointed you. And you put it on the shelf. Why? The son put grace on the shelf. Why? For what? The son lived crazy, y'all. The son lived crazy. Lived how he wanted. Did what he wanted. <laughs> the son had the resource to throw the biggest parties anyone had ever seen. That's the, that's the reality. That's the reality of the son. He was wealthy, but completely broken on the inside. He was surrounded by people, but completely lonely in reality. See, we come to a place in our life when we're outside of grace, outside the fullness of grace, that what's happening on our inside manifests on our outside. That's why you can be in the middle of the life of the party, but when the party's over, you're lonely. That's, that's why you can have all the money you could ever ask for, but be completely broken when it gets right down to it. Because something's going on on the inside and grace is trying to get you to go somewhere different and do something different, but you're not giving grace the reins. You're still driving. And this prodigal son, man, he was living how he wanted, doing what he wanted. And there was times, I know, in the middle of the night, he would picture, man, if I could just, if I could just see my dad one more time. If I could just talk to my mama one more time. If I could just see my brother and, and give him a hug one more time. And then he woke up cuddling a pig. <laughs> now listen, before you laugh too much. Don't act like bacon ain't ever comforted you too. Come on, somebody. I thank God for bacon. Come on, somebody. Thankful he redeemed the law so I can have bacon. Amen. Well, this, 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 this man, his only comfort was the pigs that he slept with. His, 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 only, his, only, his only food were the, was the food that the pigs ate. And he woke up and thought, man, I can't keep going like this. I don't know that I'll ever get to be a son again, but my father has a better way. And the, the story goes, <clears throat> the, well, the father was, a, the son was a long way off. The father saw him. There was a, a, a tradition of the day, and I'm going to say it wrong, but I think it's pronounced Kaziza, K-E-Z-E-Z-A-H. So you can feel bad for me trying to pronounce that, Kaziza. And, and the tradition was that if someone, if something like this happened and anybody in the family or community saw the son, they were to, or to, to, to the son or the family member that, that, that did something like that to this father, they were to kill the son. That was their job. 
They would be celebrated within the community and no legal action would be taken to them. So when the father saw the son from afar, the Bible says he, he ran, which would have caused him to pull up his, his robe, which is, I don't have time to talk about the fact that he ran toward, toward his son, that he ran toward him so that what, he, what the son deserved, he wouldn't face because grace come running first. I don't have time to preach on that. I don't have time to talk about when he pulled up his robe, that it was an undignified thing for a man to do. And what Christ did for you on the cross was undignified. I don't have time to talk about that. Says he saw his son. Come here, Jared. <coughs> Say he saw his son from afar off. And he, he grabbed him and he brought him into the community. I'm not going to make you talk. Don't worry. Not yet. <laughs> He brought him into the community. And they looked standing, facing the whole community, knowing, knowing what I deserve. Maybe I just won't get what I deserve. But thinking there's no way I will get what I don't deserve. The father pulled him in, knowing he had to address the community. The son looked at his father and said, Dad, forgive me. But the dad doesn't even respond to the son. He looks to the crowd and he says, you thought I wasted time on a son that didn't care. You thought I wasted effort on a son that didn't try. You thought I wasted resource on a son that didn't want relationship. You thought I wasted grace on a son. The father says, you ain't seen nothing yet. Looking at the crowd, he says, get me another ring and put it on his finger. He says, get me another coat and, and put it around his shoulders and get me some new toms and put it on, or get him some new shoes and, and put it on his feet. I was thinking about this, Jared, and, 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 and I was struggling with it because I thought when the son left, when the son ran away, the father had to mourn. When and then he had to work. And the son gets back and he goes, go grab the robe, go grab the shoes, go grab the ring and get the fattened calf. When did this father, like I don't think it would have been, maybe it was, but I don't believe it to be tradition to just have a calf ready at all times to throw a party. So when did the father start fattening the calf? When did the father go get shoes and a robe and a new ring? I think that when the son ran away, the father immediately dropped and he wept. But then he rose and he wiped the tears away and he went shopping. And he said, I'm buying some new shoes. I'm buying a new robe. I'm putting a new ring on his finger. I'm fattening a calf for the day he returns. Even if that day never comes. That's, right. Amen. that's wasted grace. That's in our mind. That's wasted grace. That he would spend. He would lavish that kind of resource on a day that may never come. That's wasted. That doesn't make sense to me. There was a teacher. <laughs> like I've told this story. I want to tell it again. There was a teacher that came in to school one day in college class. And, and, and we bring me the donuts. Jace, bring me those donuts. Yeah. 
Well, someone's, all of them? That's enough. That'll be enough. Now give me the two. My son, Mike, I told you he likes donuts. This bag was brand new when I got here. That's not true. <laughs> Teacher walks in with a bag of donuts. And he, he walks into class and he says, hey, do you want a donut? Come get a donut, Alyssa. Come on. Reach in there and grab one donut. There you go, Alyssa. But before you eat the donut, Jared's going to do 10 push-ups for us. <laughs> Count them out. One, two, three. Stay in that position. I got to be honest. He did, he did him way too easy to only have two donuts. You can sit down, Alyssa. And he walked over here and he said, Glenn, do you want a donut? Come get a donut, Glenn. Get up here and get a donut, Glenn. I got a donut for you. And as Glenn came to get a donut, the teacher said, but before you eat the donut, he's got to do some push-ups, 10 push-ups. Count them out. CrossFit people right now. <laughs> Stay in that position. <clears throat> the donuts ran out and they grabbed some cookies. Come on, somebody. And the teacher had them. And he said, Riley, you want a cookie? Come get a cookie. Come on out. But before you eat the cookie, 10 push-ups. Go. And Dustin wants a cookie. <laughs> Stay in that position. <laughs> 10 push-ups. Go. We're going to speed this thing up. Vaughn, you want a cookie? Come get a cookie, Vaughn. 20 push-ups, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You're counting too fast. Goodness sakes, this kid's in. Jake, you want a donut? Come get a donut. 20 push-ups, go. All the way up, all the way up. Impressive. Impressive. Come on, Lindsay, come get a donut. 20 push-ups, go. All the way up, all the way up. All the way up. Twenty, nicely done. No, no, get flat now. Quit trying to get it the easy way out. Come on up and get a donut. A cookie, Hannah. We have another cookie. 20 push-ups, go. You got it. Cheer him on. One. All the way up, though. All the way up. Grandpa, you want a, you want a cookie? Come get a cookie, Grandpa. No, you got to get down, Jared. Get down to position, Jared. Come on. You got this. 20 push-ups. Go. All the way up. You can do it. You can do it. Five, six. You got this. And, and, and what happened along the way? Just hold the position for me. What happened along the way is the teacher got down in line. He went to a student and they said, hey, I have a cookie for you. And the student said, I don't want a cookie. No, get, get in position. Get in position. I'll give you a cookie when you're done. The teacher said, I have a cookie. And the student said, I don't want the cookie. 
And the teacher said, you're gonna eat the cookie. And the student said, I don't want the cookie. And the student said, I don't care. You're gonna get a cookie. And the student said, I don't want one. And the teacher said, fine. Do 20 push-ups. Just get, get in position for me. And as he started to do them, just hang. As he started to do them, the student said, no, look at him. His arms are shaking. His face is red. He can't breathe. The teacher said, it doesn't matter if you want the cookie or not. He's doing the push-ups. Guys, you have to understand, whether you want grace or not, he paid the price. And you don't want the stupid cookie. Like, I struggle with this. Thank you, bro. Here's your cookie. <laughs> I kept one for me. I didn't do any push-ups. <laughs> Whether you want this grace or not, he paid the price. Whether you ever chose to come home or not, the father bought the ring and bought the cloak and he bought the cloak because the son was naked and his heart was to cover his shame. That's what grace does. Grace covers your shame. It heals you and makes you brand new. Whether you want it or not, he paid the price. I was thinking about this story, y'all. And worship team or whoever's doing altar, come on up. Whether you want the cookie or not, he paid the price. I think about this and I think, man, that's hard for me to fathom. Can I just be real today? That's hard for me. Because for me, when I think about what he did for Bo on the cross, I think it was wasted grace. I feel like it was a wasteful price to pay. I look at him like, God, why? It was a wasteful price to pay. And he looks back down to me and he says, no, son. It was a wonderful price to pay because you were worth it. Here's the reality, y'all. You were worth it whether you ever choose him or not, whether you ever experience the fullness of this grace that is your vehicle into fullness, whether you ever get in, get in that car or not, he paid the price. He paid the price. It was wasteful, not as wonderful. It wasn't careless. It was calculated. It was extravagant. And it was on purpose what he did for us. We look at it and we, Paul's writing to the Corinthians and just like he would be writing to us, like I'm trying to tell me and tell you, Paul goes, listen guys, he paid this price to transform you, to redeem you, to bring fullness to you. Don't waste it. Don't reduce what he did to some small thing that was just, just, no, no, don't, don't reduce it. 
That's what he's saying. Paul says, don't, don't, don't waste this grace. Magnify it. Magnify, magnify this grace as a husband. Magnify grace as a husband to help you be a better husband. Magnify grace as a, as a, as a, as a father or a mother. Magnify grace as a friend. Magnify grace as a human being just to be a better human being. Because this grace is about your today. But it's more about your, your, your tomorrow. And it's all about your eternity. Would you bow your heads as they sing this song right here? All these pieces broken and Don't click out just yet. We're so excited that you could join us today. Don't forget to like and share this message. And also subscribe to our podcast channel so that the latest message is always waiting on you. If this ministry has had an impact on your life, we would love to connect with you via social media on Instagram and Facebook. We would also love to see you in person at one of our many locations. For service times and locations or to give to this ministry, you can download our app or visit us online at www.thehill.us. We can't wait to hear from you and all that God is doing in your life. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next time right here on The Hill Podcast.